anytime you're feeling good, celebrate it. Because how are we supposed to know how high high is if we don't know how low low is? And so MS, we experience a lot of lows, but we can also experience a lot of highs. They're just not freely handed to us. Like the lows are like, here you go. Here's your low on a silver platter. But you have to take ownership of the highs. So whether that's celebrating yourself and self-love and taking the time to get to know you or doing something fun with your partner or your children, do something outside of MS. Take advantage of that time. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? is your personal life? (laughs) Yes, I am asking, are you in longtime love or are you looking for the one? If you have been listening to this show for a while, you probably know that this lady, this lady right here, she is single. Yep. I hope you heard that well. For those of you who like me are dating, how's that going for you? At first, when I was diagnosed, I waited like two years to date. I just didn't know how to approach the conversation even. Hi, I'm Edie. I have MS. Is that how it's going to be? I just didn't get the full picture of this, but it's been five years of dating now. And one thing I know is that I really don't know much. So I'm hoping that our guest today has some good insight into this whole MS dating thing. Alana is the woman behind the hilarious MS girl gang. So if you've seen any of her content, you know she has a wicked, amazing sense of humor. But what you might not know about her is that she is one of the kindest women you will ever meet. I'm so honored to be able to welcome her on the show today. I actually got a chance to meet her in person live when we did our MS walk. And so we've been trying to organize and I'm so glad that she's here today. Welcome to the show. Let's chat it up. Alana, what is happening in your life? What's going on, chick? Hi, Edie. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I'm sitting now at like a table of royalty. (laughs) If you guys know Edie and you know her podcast, she gets like the most amazing people. And if you've been in virtual social media space of MS, you've seen these big names that she has. And I am just over the moon to be invited. So thank you foremost so much for having me. This is so fun. And yeah, man, that mass walk was so, for me, it was my first time since diagnosis and post-COVID that I got to meet other people, especially my local area. And it's so easy sometimes, okay, we're diagnosed and then you just put your head down and life keeps going. But it is truly so important for people like us with chronic diseases and illnesses, because they are so out there sometimes 
to connect and really get to know each other and create our own little communities. Absolutely. And today, everybody listening, we are both doing it with a glass of wine. So cheers, y'all, because we're talking about, we're going to talk about our MS and everything, but I also want to talk and get some insight onto how the dating life is. Let's see, because I got a perspective and everybody else has their own, but I don't know how it is for everybody out there dating with MS, but we're going to get into it a little bit today. So why don't you start, because you were diagnosed pretty recently. What did that look like for you? Yeah. So I was working a little bit. I work in finance. And so I I just left my company back in like fall 2019. And all of a sudden I just couldn't think my brain just was, I couldn't think I love watching food shows when they pull out like random ingredients. And I'm like, Oh, here's what I would do with this. I'm a foodie. I love to cook. And I remember taking a bath one night, a hot bath, because that's what I love to do. And I put on my little iPad and put on a show and I couldn't think. I was like, what's wrong with me? I can't think. And then about two weeks later, my vision went double for two weeks. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I haven't been to the eye doctor in a while. Let's go check this out. And by the time I had made the appointment and gotten to the eye doctor, it had thankfully subsided. But yeah, it was about two weeks long. And then I was like, okay, that was strange. My doctor said, I'm fine though still having cognitive issues. And I do have Hashimoto's with my thyroid and kind of cog fog is a symptom of that. And so I was like, okay, well, I haven't been treating it. I've been doing really well. So even though I have the antibodies, my thyroid's been treating me fairly well. So I went to the endocrinologist and I was like, Hey, I'm experiencing, I can't think like what's wrong. She goes, okay, I'll do a panel. Everything came back fine in that aspect. I'm like, okay. And then in November, so boom, 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 all back to back, immediately got out of my hot bath one night and the right side of my tongue was numb. And I remember telling my husband at the time, oh, this is weird. I don't know what happened. And then it got better overnight. And then two days later, I'm in my next bath and it happened again. And it did not subside that night. It actually spread. So really the right side of my tongue. And then it became the interior of my mouth. And then it also extended along my jawline outside. And I was like, okay, uh, what's going on with my teeth? <laughs> I do have silver fillings in the back of my wisdom teeth. I was able to keep my wisdom teeth, and, but they just filled them. I was like, what if there's something going on there? I don't know. So I went to the dentist and he took a bunch of x-rays. He said, no, you actually look really good. And I'm like, okay, something's really going on here. So Dr. Google, you know, you just get online and you just start Googling. And I'm just putting together threads of these weird things that I experienced And lo and behold, I came across, it was Colgate, I believe, a weird Colgate blog. So it's like a blog of random articles, but put together by Colgate on the actual Colgate website. And it said like 10 reasons why your numb could, why your mouth could be numb. And like number nine was MS. Really? And I just saw it and I was like, that's what I have. I have that. And then, so I literally started Googling MS and I was like, oh gosh, I need to get an MRI real quick. And so I called my primary and spoke to a nurse and got in like the next day to get an MRI appointment. And she's like, I don't want to freak you out, but I completely agree. We need to get you an MRI. So we got an MRI very quickly. And then when you get that doctor's call the next day after your MRI, because they get the results before you, it's like, I don't even need to hear. They're just like, we need you to come in quickly. I'm like, this is all right. All right. So at least the ball is in motion. So that was my diagnosis story. So that was the span about three or four months. So I got my official diagnosis in January of 2020. I was turning 30 years old 
So a mile marker birthday, right? But now it's being marred by this heaviness. Went to a local neurologist who put me on an oral DMT, had a terrible side effect reaction with that. And they looked at me like I was a weirdo, like a lab rat. And I'm like, no, no, no. Just because I'm having a very rare side effect doesn't mean I'm going <laughs> to, I don't want to play these games. Um, but then I went and got a second opinion at Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, which is only about two hours away from Orlando. And I've been with them ever since. I will speak about them with the most respect and gratitude ever. Highly recommend anybody if you're in Florida, Alabama, Georgia area. Mayo Clinic. So yeah, that's that's my diagnosis story in a nutshell. Well, you say it with a smile, I gotta say. And so what are your lingering symptoms? What are you still dealing with? So I have I truly have a little bit of everything, but nothing major. Um as you can hear, sometimes I'll spit over words and I call it kind of like word dyslexia or like letter dyslexia, or even visually when I'm tired, my eyes can double. A lot of times late at night, I'm watching television with one eye because your brain doesn't have to struggle to focus. Being in Florida, heat obviously plays a part into our pseudo symptoms. And I think it just depends like where your little lesions are too. So I have a bunch of little speckles in my brainstem, Mm. which obviously affects vision. But because all messages go in and out of the brainstem, therefore anything is up for grabs for me. Lately, every now and then I get this kind of like wave of deafness, primarily my right ear. And it just for a few seconds, and then it turns into nidus, so like a ringing, and then it subsides. But I know like your hearing is connected to your brainstem. But no true relapses since I've been diagnosed. Just the regular stuff. Muscle tightness, fatigue, depression, the whole gambit, really, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's funny because you are telling me, too, like that you're grateful for getting diagnosed. So uh, tell us why, please expand on that. Yeah. So I was in an unhappy marriage. I was unhappy at least. I am such a caretaker and nurturer. And I was blessed in that my now ex-husband, he was an attorney at his own law firm. So I didn't have to work, which was great during this period of diagnosis. We were so focused and so much energy is being put on this. But I took care of him and our family every day and cleaning house and cooking and bringing everybody together for holidays and playing host. And, and yet I was so unhappy and he was a narcissist. He was a high functioning alcoholic narcissist. And when you're a true empath, you quickly learn that narcissists, they get drawn to empaths because they can just use them and abuse them and beat them down. And so during my diagnosis, I was just exhausted. It's exhausting. It's burdensome. It's heavy. I just turned 30 years old. Um, I was becoming a skeleton of who I really was. And through diagnosis and the year that kind of followed, I would try to pick his brain about it. And I was like, well, what happens if I'm ever in a wheelchair? You know, those thoughts of when you first get diagnosed, they just go immediately through your head to the worst of the worst possibilities. Mm. And he's like, well, we'll we'll just hire a nurse. I, I don't want to hire a nurse. I want you as my husband to take care of me as best as you possibly can. Like the way that I've taken care of our family is Susie Homemaker for the past few years. I put my career on hold to take care of you and your business and your family and, and our family. And just, I, I know that I was nowhere near disability, but what if it ever came down to it? That's not something I want to even have to discuss. I just want to be able to trust that my husband's going to show up for me. I remember probably in like late summer of 2020, 
I did have a fall at home and it wasn't like a regular fall. It was just like, I was in the kitchen and oh, one of my legs kind of gave out. And so I brushed my hip up into the dishwasher handle, left a terrible, really nasty bruise. And I remember calling him just because I was scared. I was like, hey, I just fell. I'm just really scared. I don't know how to feel right now. I'm shaking. Can you just calm me down? And he was at the bar drinking and said he wasn't coming home to just be with me in that moment. So my diagnosis showed me that my the man I was married to could never take care of me the way that I ever wanted to, let alone with a chronic disease illness. You know what I mean? That's, it's insane. So I left my husband in January of 21 and I timed it out that I had just gotten my infusion. I knew I wanted to leave him. So I found a job. I started working. I got two page checks and I moved out and I divorced him. That's really And so that was my blessing in disguise. Oh my gosh. The first night in my apartment, I'm exhausted, right? My body's just broken from moving by myself. Anyone with MS knows once you truly exhaust your body and your muscles, you're just flat out on the ground. But the peace I gained that night of being in my own home where I no longer had to walk on eggshells. I no longer had to say, okay, is he going to go home drunk? Is he going to abuse me in any kind of way? Like I I didn't even have a mattress yet. I slept on like a foam topper on the floor, but I knew in that moment that I made the best decision for me and I don't regret it at all. Well, yeah, that is the bravest story. And I got to say, you did it a smart way. Not everybody is able to get out of those kind of situations, even more dire ones very easily. And you really took steps to make sure that happened to you so that you were living your best. That's what it's about. If we're unhappy in any way, what's the point? I got to be in my my best place, whatever that looks like. Yeah. And the diagnosis really it just helps you like put your life into perspective. It just was, for me, it was like, whoa, okay, the rest of my life starts now. And what do I want to do with it? How do I want it to look like? How do I want to mitigate this damage that's already done in my brain and prevent further damage? And that was to get out of a very stressful situation. So how are you doing now? What's the update on you? (laughs) Single. Um, (laughs) That's okay. Are you dating? That's okay. Uh, a little bit. I did. I did date one person for a little while, but I think I was kind of still stuck in my routine of being an empath and being used to a narcissist. And so unfortunately I ended up in a situation on, on and off long-term over the past year situation with another narcissist, but it was like my rebound. And I think every woman has to go through this, you know, and I feel like today's society, women get so beat down so easily and we have to truly focus on us because if we're not happy you can't expect someone else to make you happy so I've been spending a lot of time with me and myself and my priority at the moment is not dating it's maybe dating myself and getting back to who I was but now I have this chance to be who I want to be too I haven't been single in since college in over 10 years so this is a major milestone for me in my life and everything's I'm being blessed left and right. I got a promotion at work within a year that I was actually scouted for. I didn't even have to apply for it. I was able to move back. I used to live downtown and I moved back downtown on my own this time, like on my own paycheck. And it just feels so great and validating as a person. I'm, I'm now I'm not the wife with MS. I'm Ilana, and yeah, I got MS. 
<laughs> so I think that's the first thing we need to recognize. We need to be who we want to be first. And I think that that's a true thing for people with or without MS, whomever you are. And I think yes. that it's tenfold yes. important because if I'm going to present myself as I'm on the table here, I'm putting myself out on the table, then I need to put out my best self and I need to really know what I stand for and what I represent so that it's not, this is Edie or Alana with MS, it's Edie and she happens to have this thing going on. So exactly. Sometimes I feel like because we have, we feel like we're damaged goods, right? Like I'm now 32 divorced with MS. I certainly have battled thoughts of who's going to want me. I'm 32, feel like going on 82, right? Yeah. Some days. And, but the thing is, is who are you outside of MS, right? Who were you before your diagnosis? And if you are a pediatric case, unfortunately, then you, I feel like you even have a bigger opportunity to decide what do you want your life to look like outside of it? I feel like many of us, we were adults when we were diagnosed. We already had some kind of life momentum going. Go back to it. Why not? Just because you got a mess doesn't mean it's a death sentence. And it certainly doesn't make you any less of a great candidate to be dateable. I'm not, when I had, like, when I was on the dating apps, I certainly didn't write, hey, I'm Alana and I have a mask. I'm just debilitating brain disease. Like, please take care of me when I get old. Right. No, I'm not putting it. But I am just, I'm an open book. I am with my whole life. If you can't tell already. So I don't have many bars holding me back from immediately telling someone up front. It depends where the conversation goes. I'm certainly not going to be like, oh, I have this. You do with it what you want. But at the same time, I do believe that if you want respect from somebody in honesty and truth, you have to give it to them. So at some point when you're dating, whenever you feel comfortable, because that looks like, I know that's different for everybody. And we've talked about it in the girl gang a few times, but please be open. You never know who's, and I feel like most people they don't care and either they don't care because they just don't know the severity of what we're dealing with, or they're just kind and genuine people. And maybe they do know somebody with it. I met a guy from work at a work happy hour. And he's like, yeah, my dad has it. And just automatically that person's going to respect you more, but you're also going to respect them because they're treating you like a normal human being yeah. because people who have experience with chronic illnesses know we just want to be normal. Like I don't want a pity party. I don't want you to go out of your way. Just treat me normal. I'll let you know if I need, you know, accessibility issues or things like that, or, Hey, I just need to take a step back or whatever. But yeah, just be open and own it. And that's why I created MS Girl Gang. Tell us. I wanted women to own it. Okay, so yes. tell us some more about MS Girl Gang because it's like an empowerment manalogue, right? That was the goal, certainly. So right when I was playing Dr. Google and looking up MS, everything I found had pictures of older people or severely disabled people. But yet the demographics of diagnoses are coming back women, primarily women, ages 20 to 50. Okay, well, where are pictures of me? Even when I went to my first local neurologist in the office, I was the youngest and the only one without a walking aid. That freaked me the heck out because I was like, okay, am I like weird? Is my body like really fighting itself that much that like, oh, I'm only 30. So I wanted to create a space. I wanted to change the face and the stigma of an MS diagnosis. 
I wanted to reach out to other women who were around my age. So we're young. We were already, our lives were going or starting or just on the brink or precipice of tremendous success. But Google doesn't have those images. Our drug makers don't have those images. They're beginning now to, I've noticed in commercials and whatnot, which is awesome. But I truly created MS Girl Gang to create community, number one, of people like me. But then also two people who go a little bit further. I have to deal with something by laughing at it. I have to take it to the far extreme of morbidity. Even when I was dealing with the passing of my father a few years ago, I had to be I had to have very frank conversations with myself and him and other people. And I preface it by saying, I'm sorry for this is morbid, but this is how I deal with things. I would rather be prepared for tragic than it to surprise me. So I find humor and ownership in being able to laugh about the nonsense we deal with, the symptoms and the disease and the the DMTs and the constant MRIs. It's the rest of our life. What are we going to do? Cry about it for the next 40, 50 years, however long the rest of your life looks like? Or are you just going to take ownership of it in whatever way that looks like and just continue living? You want to give a finger or an F you to MS? Live your life. That is, that's the right thing, right? Because the best revenge to anything is to be amazing. And you're exhibiting that within just your everyday life and being so fulfilled by your own journey and work and all of that. But also you're giving back with MS Girl Gang and the kindness, like we had talked about before, is just there. And people can feel that. Um, when I'm talking to other people in the MS world, we often share different places to go for community and yours comes up over and over again because Alana is not somebody that you message and you get a bot afterwards. She actually responds to you and is there and that kindness just comes out of you for sure. And so I thank you for that and being one of the thrivers in our space because we other people need to see that because, you know, and we've talked and I've shared with you guys, the audience listeners, it took me a minute. As I said in the beginning, it took me a couple of years to like get back to my ground zero, I guess, whatever my new normal was going to be before I could say, okay, let's do this. And so I think with dating, with just being kind to yourself, even uh, it take it takes a minute. We're not all that resilient and that's okay too, but we need places yeah. like MS Girl Gang to reach out to for that. So let me ask you this. So I looked up some stuff about MS and dating because I wanted to see what does that sound like? I felt like I was going to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Hi, I'm Edie and I have MS, right? So what is this going to look like? So, all right. On marriage.com, which I thought was hilarious because dating and marriage are two different things. If I'm on a date, I don't necessarily have this wedding bells or whatever. So, but anyways, marriage.com, they had 10 do's and don'ts of dating with MS. So I just want to go through them and see which ones make sense to you and which ones. Cause I read this to my friend without MS and she's like, well, those all make sense. And da, da, da. But I don't know. Some of them seem kind of harsh. So follow with me. Number one says, do tell them, but when you're ready, what are your thoughts about telling about your MS? I, I completely agree. I never want to advocate for somebody who's not ready because maybe that means that they haven't accepted their own diagnosis. So how can you share it with other people if you're not being able to just wake up in the morning and say, I got MS, 
you know? So I, I do agree with that, but I would suggest do it fairly sooner than later. Right. And sometimes you just got to bite the bullet. Just say it even to someone else, because I love sharing my story because every time I share my story about my life, anything in my life, it's easier to tell. And I learn to accept it more myself, but that's just me. So I would say as soon as you are beginning to feel comfortable or want to test the waters, put it out there. What's the worst that could happen? Someone's going to be like, "Mm, not for me. That's the best thing that could have happened then, right? Because why would you have wanted to waste your time then? with somebody who looks amazing and is great, right? And then three months down the road, six months down the road, now you finally tell them and then they do that. And then you've just wasted your time. Absolutely. So use it as a blessing in disguise. Use your diagnosis as a silver lining to help weed out candidates that would not have been good for you anyways to begin with. Yeah. And if it's not good for them, it's not going to be good for you. So I usually go with, depending on conversation, I really reveal it first or second date. That's where I've been. And I've never had, I don't want to see you because you have MS. It's just been because I'm not a fit for them, apparently. But, and that's okay. That's what normal dating is like. Okay. So moving on. Number two, it said, learn about your fertility. So I thought that was really interesting because it wasn't the area that I was going in. It says women and men can be successful parents and happy and healthy children. The disease progresses and treatments to manage MS do pose challenges. So I think a lot of it is about the medication. What are your thoughts about fertility? So I'm biased. Ever since I was a little girl, I've always wanted to adopt. That's just me. That's just my parental need. I can love anything. That doesn't mean I don't ever want to be a mom. It just means I just don't see myself having my own children. And that's just my story. But I do completely agree that obviously like our DMTs, they're traumatic for our own bodies, let alone a little growing baby. So I would, as a woman, a young woman dating, know what do you want in your future? What do you want your family to look like? And how do you want it to get there? Just on you alone. Then when you're meeting people or dating, or even if maybe you're already married, now you can have a conversation and it does have to be one of those very serious conversations, right? Like it's not just about, oh, well, do you want four kids and a white picket fence? No, it's okay. I do want children, but because of what I'm going through, I have to truly plan it if you want to go the actual natural getting pregnant and giving birth route, right? Because so many of our DMTs, you have to either detox for a while or just stop taking it for, I think, minimum like a year. And then even during pregnancy and post-pregnancy, I've heard from women, I've heard stories that like truly the only thing, if you have a relapse or something, the only thing you can use is steroids. So that is extremely life-changing and life-altering because now you're putting your disease to the side to fulfill a lifelong wish for many women. So I would just know what you want. Don't allow your healthier diagnosis to steer you away from that. We know if you're involved in any of the MS community, that there's many beautiful pregnant women out there and many women who have had successful pregnancies and births and healthy, beautiful children. Just know how do you want to get there and be honest with yourself and just know that, okay, it's going to take a little bit more work and effort maybe than the average bear. Yeah, it's, that's a tough subject because our disease is so ugly 
And there's so many things like, oh, I don't want to pass it on genetically, or I don't want to put myself at risk for relapse. And these are very serious subjects. And I would say, first and foremost, just know what you want. And then you can share it with your potential partner. I love that. I think that's really essential, whether you're the man or the woman in this scenario, because now you're also taking care of another human being. So again, all things we have to face as couples with MS is a little added stuff, but it's not any different than anyone else facing other fertility issues. So number three, learn about, it says, learn about how MS may affect family planning. So this goes into, it says, know that the disability does not mean you cannot have a family. Even if it affects family planning, it shouldn't get in the way of being successful parents. But family planning has a lot more to go on with it. So what does that look like in terms of your genetics? Am I going to pass this on to my kids? What does it mean later on? Are my kids going to take care of me? What is that going to look like? So family planning has a lot of different dimensions. Number four, learn about how MS affects you specifically. What do you think about that? Because you told me your story and all the things that you have going on with you. It's much different than me. I would say there's nothing better than an MS diagnosis to force you to get in touch with your body and to listen to your body. So I know at any given moment what muscles are twitching and blips is what I call them. A lot of times we can feel ourselves when a downhill or a snowball is coming. I have yet to experience a relapse, uh, so hopefully I never will. But I have heard that oftentimes you can sometimes feel a relapse coming on too. So to be able to tell someone else what you're experiencing, you have to know yourself. So get in touch with your body, know different parts of your body, sensations, and whether that means like working out and getting to know Lily, this is my trapezius, this is my bicep or whatever, or maybe like a holistic approach, a yoga practice or nutritional or whatever. I feel like anything you can do to benefit your health, disregarding MS, right, is going to help you get in touch with your body. Because how can you tell your potential partner, oh, my muscles are so tight and spazzing or, oh, that's my leg or, you know what I mean? Like, oh, foot drop. How can you tell someone you have foot drop if you don't know what it is, right? Or, and why it's happening. So yes, know your disease so that you can tell it to somebody else. Makes complete sense to me. And I think that anybody that's in love with you, that wants to support you is going to want to know what that's feeling like for you and support you. So it does pay to know how to communicate that to someone else very much. So number five says, do consider the emotional impacts MS can have on your dating life. So I was reading this a little bit and it talks about depression, anxiety, irritability, which unfortunately I have all those kind of things at least once in a while, and loss of self-esteem, anger, grief, and stress. I want to know personally how my potential partner handles those kinds of things. What about you? Same, but I think this is actually MS pushed to the side. Until now in my life, I've always had a low self-worth. And maybe that stems from traumatic events in my childhood, most likely. So dating is just tough. I don't (laughs) care what you got, who 
are, where you live. Dating is tough in today's world. Society is not always a beautiful place. And there's so much pressure put on things like physical appearance or money. What can I offer you? Immediate gratification. I think that's what society is these days. And so, yes, emotionally, it can be very dragging regardless of MS, right? But then let's now account for the MS. Getting ready for a date. As a woman, that can easily take an hour or two hours, depending on what your date is. That can literally just be physically exhausting. I know for me, I used to be able to mentally multitask so well. Like it was my biggest asset. I can't do that anymore. So even just planning a date. Okay, I have to work till five and then I have to be 6.30 to get ready. So even mentally, that's exhausting. And then, yeah, throw in the MS depression that wants to trick you into thinking you're damaged goods. And then just on top of being a woman and our normal womanly hormonal little thoughts that we put in our brains that we're not good enough, it's mentally exhausting, emotionally burdensome. But I will say in the same token, if you are in a relationship or you already are married and you get diagnosed... Always remember that the other person's going through a diagnosis with you. Can you imagine loving somebody, right? And devoting your life to them in a healthy relationship and marriage. And your love of your life is diagnosed with this scary thing. What do they experience? So as much as they want to be there for us, and it's so difficult in that moment because it's just so heavy and dark. And I know I get this but try to give them some kindness and grace because they feel like they are losing a part of you, just like you feel like you're losing a part of yourself. And, but this is your partner for life. This is the person who's going to be there for you. Every infusion, every MRI, every bad news, every triumph. Um, So they go through our disease with us. They may not feel the physical effects, but they surely feel the emotional and mental effects of it too. A diagnosis is not just you, it's you and your partner and your family and your children and your workplace. It's everything. Yeah, you're so gracious too to think about others when really sometimes it's like, I got to be selfish, but really when you're in a relationship there, it's not just one of you. There's at least two. So, and we're not going to get into what is that now, that new dating thing I hear, ambidextrous, it's ambi something, like you have two partners and all that. I don't know. We're not, we're talking about simple dating here. (laughs) This is just the simple stuff. So number polyamorous, please give me some of your energy because I need it just to get through my normal day. That's it. Polyamory. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't even focus on stuff. All right. Number six. Now these are the don'ts. Okay. Which I don't know if somebody tells me don't, I just want to break it initially when I first heard. So let's see. Don't be alarmed if you experience changes in libido. Have you experienced this at all? Absolutely. And I don't know what is me getting older as a woman and what is actually a mess. Mm. So if you have a great OBGYN gyno and a great neurologist, maybe they can even work together. I don't know. It never hurts to run a hormone panel that will at least give you the, the science of what could be going on. And then if it comes back all normal, then maybe it is neurological. Loss of libido could be honestly anything though, right? It's associated with thyroid. It's associated regular stress in life 
life is stressful. I don't care if you have a disease or not. Life is insane. There's always will be obstacles. The only thing we're promised in life is difficulties and death, unfortunately. So yeah, I have experienced it. I don't know, like I said, what is normal woman stuff and what is normal neurology, but certainly depression and exhaustion and fear can lower your libido. Thank you. There goes the brain. (laughs) I always think of that Nirvana song. So there was like a five-year period, at least, I want to say five, six years, where I had no libido whatsoever. And that was before I was diagnosed, but I definitely had MS at that point. And so I know what that looks like. And you just don't care to touch anybody. And you don't want anybody to do. It's truly a depressive state, but internally. Yeah. And then add on that diagnosis and you're like, well, who's really going to want me now? Like, how do you feel comfortable getting naked in front of somebody if you don't feel comfortable with your new normal? That's that's what we have our new normal. And maybe our bodies look different because we gained some weight. Maybe we comforted our diagnosis emotions with overeating, or maybe we had to go through rounds of steroids. We know that those can cause extra weight gain. We know that those can F with our brain. It's that's such a broad area that we could really nitpick everywhere because there's so many components that go into libido, especially a woman. Yeah, for sure. And we deal with it, I think, so much differently than men do. And I don't want to disregard that. We don't have a man on the panel today, but that's also a factor too. So number seven says, don't leave room for assumptions. So really we need to clearly communicate. And I think you really touched on that earlier. If we know how we are feeling, we're much more easily able to communicate that. So we need to be able to speak up. Number eight, don't be self-conscious when it comes to sex. And I think that's easier said than done. You mentioned it a little. (laughs) I don't think that's completely like MS related, right? Like who wrote this? Whoever wrote this clearly does not have MS. This is just a regular woman. That's what I think too. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. What, how many people honestly can just, let's go, like I'm ready to go, you know, unless they truly feel comfortable with their partner. I don't think, unless your body's changed because of the disease in some way, it shouldn't impact how you feel sexually. Yeah. Yeah. I'm putting a big X through number eight. Next, number eight, you can kiss it. All right. Everybody tunes that. Number nine, don't become despondent if you enter sexual challenges or encounter. Don't become despondent if you encounter sexual challenges. And this really talked a lot about having erectile dysfunction or trouble achieving or maintaining erection. And so I personally don't deal with that as a symptom, but I know it's a real thing. So I want to make sure that we mention this because I think that as women, it happens and we know that it happens and we need to be responsive to our partner. What are your thoughts? Completely agree. And to keep it MS related, I, there's a member of my girl gang, and I think you had her on the show, Jody. Wonderful soul. Love her so much. Jody, love you. She actually wrote a little book. And I think I'm probably going to get this so wrong, but it was called something like My Vagina's Broken. Oh, really? And she, 
Yeah. And I could be so far out there. Maybe I'm getting it mixed up. I'm not spraying, but I just think it's okay. tricky. And anyways, this, the, it's just about like how when she got diagnosed and she literally had extreme sexual issues, but she was married and she had a very supportive partner. And I think that's so important. It's just, I would say, don't get scared if you are experiencing those things. Just number one, feel peace and comfort in knowing why they are happening. It's just your brain with a messed up connection. It's not your actual sexual organs. You're fine. And it doesn't mean it can last forever. It could just be temporary. Just So just be at peace with that and that. Then contact your neurologist. Contact your sexual organ doctor. Get them on board. Say, hey, I'm experiencing this. What do you think? What is our game plan? And then be open with your partner too. Like, how would they not, if they're loving and supportive, how would they not be compassionate towards you? And that's what we want in our lives. We need those types of people to be there. If you have a, if you're with, if you're with a partner and your partner says, well, if you don't give me sex every week, I'm going to leave you. I'm not the person for you. Be honest, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's tying it back in. Just know your body, know when something's wrong and just always Find the peace, and I know it's sick and weird to say, but find the peace in knowing why something is happening. It's not your fault. We have these crazy, stupid brains that are now doing whatever the heck they want and dying and decaying, and it sucks. So it's not your fault, something you did. It's nothing you could have done differently either. All right, and number nine. Oh, no, we're on number 10. Last but not least, number 10. Don't forget to maintain balance in your relationship, which I started laughing when I read that one because, again, not MS related. And I have a funny thing with this word balance. I've heard from a couple people. It's not really a balance. It's really how much of this do I want? How much of my time, how much of my energy do I want to devote or I need to devote to these things each day and making sure that there's a piece of that time for me. So in other words, we need to make sure there's a piece of that time for our relationship. What does that look like to you? You've had more experience with this, I think, than I have. I think it just means when you're having a good day, forget you have a mess. Enjoy that time, whether you're by yourself or whether you're with a partner, enjoy that day for what it is. If you have great energy, use it because we don't always have those good days. If you're feeling good about yourself, right? Like our brains are, the good chemicals are going and maybe you are feeling frisky, then take that photo, send it or have that bath or have fun. Like anytime you're feeling good, celebrate it. Because how are we supposed to know how high high is if we don't know how low low is? And so MS, we experience a lot of lows, but we can also experience a lot of highs. They're just not freely handed to us. Like the lows are like, here you go. Here's your low on a silver platter. But you have to take ownership of the highs. So whether that's celebrating yourself and self-love and taking the time to get to know you or doing something fun with your partner or your children. Do something outside of MS. Take advantage of that time. Unfortunately, we don't know how much time we have in the future. So take advantage of it now. And put yourself out there. Listen, waiting and hiding and not 
being who you are and being present and trying. Everybody deserves someone to love them. And there's someone out there for everyone. So is if you're not putting yourself out there, then that person is not going to magically appear either. So yes, let's take care of ourselves, get our heads, know what we want, know what we need, and then get yourself out there and get yourself a little something. <laughs> so if you are like getting out there and dating, don't think of MS as like a, a black band that you're wearing on your shoulder. Think of it like a little star you're wearing on your shoulder. Oh, this is me. Like, like my I, little just, orange ribbon. Yeah, man. And I feel like if someone has any inkling of what you go through and what we experience on a daily basis and the battles we fight, if someone's truly into you and loves you, they're going to think even more highly of you. I, that's just, wow, I love her so much. And she deals with this. She's a bad. Yeah, you know? yeah. That yeah. sounds right to me. I'll own that. Let's do that. <laughs> sounds good. So you said some poignant things today. I want to point out, be who you want to be, not who others think you should be, not who you think you should be you be you. You're the most important person in your story. The other things were like, find the peace in knowing what's happening to you. Once you figure that out and really understand yourself, I do agree with you that there is a lot of peace in that. And take ownership of the highs, man. We got to celebrate. We got to feel all the emotions, right? Sometimes I feel guilty being happy too. I don't know why, but we as women, if you're a woman out there listening, we do feel like that. I can't speak for the men, but it's true. Like we need to own those highs and really live life the best way we can. So tell people where they can find this MS girl gang. That sounds so awesome. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram, literally at MS girl gang. And I'm just on Instagram. I think I only created on Instagram because I only used Instagram personally. And even if you follow me personally, I only post twice a year. Maybe if I have some more energy or if I can get on like a co-host, tap into somebody, they can run a Facebook for me if you're interested. But yeah, I'm on Instagram. If you message me, I will absolutely message back. If you comment on the post, I will at least heart it so that you know I see it. I love engaging with you guys. And thank you so much to my girls around the world who have been my support system through a divorce and a separation and a new job and moving and everything life throws at us. Um, I would say like a third of us are in the United States, a third are in the UK and like about another third in Germany, roughly. So we really are like a global group. I do have some private chat groups going. If you're interested in joining one of those, just let me know. I'll throw you into one. And I do have merch. Obviously, I have this logo and then I do have another logo out there. Um I created merch because I didn't want I'm a warrior or like I'm walking around. I may look drunk, but I have a mess. That's just not me. I just, I wanted to create something where women could feel empowered because I know what I'm wearing, but it wasn't like, that's just the silly humor. wasn't my thing. I'm, I'm the morbid humor. That's the whole MS girl again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You put some funny stuff out there and I so appreciate it. And so with your kindness, your generosity, thank you so, so much for being here today. I really appreciate your thoughts and just your experience with this whole dating thing. I know that this is not, MS isn't easy dating. I don't know. Right now I'm having more of a hard time with the dating, but <laughs> it's a, 
yeah, it all comes together eventually. So if you guys want to find out some more information about your core values, Alana's core value of kindness and humor, she's got that going on too. Please take a look at the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find those resources on core values and gratitude, and you can dive deep into getting to know yourself a little bit. Alana, thank you so much for being here and keep thriving. Thank you, Edie. Love you, girl. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. Keep thriving. Keep thriving.